time to be such a, a stretch uh, within me, one, my faith, and but also my communication just simply on the good news. And, and, and I, I think it's like that for every believer. I tend to just lean that everything is common among the brethren. Uh, so um, if you feel as though you, cut, you get kind of locked up, maybe lost for words, uh, and, and you just uh, are really desiring to be a, a, a clear communicator, of uh, the good news. I want to encourage you to come to this. It's, we have a lot of things that are just able to break the ice. Yeah. It's not like you just walk up and say, people are, hey, my name is Daryl Temple. How do you want to know about Jesus? You, don't, you know, We have things that, um, uh, different needs of the community, um, the music provides a, a great mean of, of connection. So you get like um, uppers and outers and down and outers. You know, you get the, the, the mixed bag of, of uh, the gamut of just being able to touch and talk to people. Some people reject you, but you'd be surprised. There's such an openness, I believe, what I've experienced, uh, in the people to just hear you out. To hang. I mean, we're singing all the blood of Jesus, and they're just hanging there, college students. I mean, they just, you can't can't escape Will's violin playing, but but more so, there's just a a real um, spirit of peace uh, that's there, and, and I think Jesus is able to touch some hearts. So we have a lot of ways to be able to break the ice uh, and talk. So I want to encourage you. Listen, uh, it's important. It's important yes. that we share our faith with others. It, it's. It's. Uh, I couldn't stress that more. Uh, but anyways, and also Chris Bergman. Okay, Chris Bergman. You guys are going to be blessed. He doesn't speak much. I've probably said this to a different group of people. He doesn't speak much publicly, but when he does, um, man, it is powerful. Yeah. Uh, just the revelation of the Father's heart that he has. Um, is, is, is so moving. And I want to encourage you to come out for that Saturday and Sunday. I'm actually glad that the dates have changed because really I think he was going to come Wednesday and Thursday was the dates. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Wednesday and Thursday the 22nd and 23rd. And um, his flight actually got um, changed because of what happened in New York uh, recently with Hurricane Sandy. So now he's going to be here Saturday and Sunday, which means he'll be here for when most of our peeps are here. Um, so come out. It's going to be awesome. Uh, come out ready to receive something from the Lord. Amen? Amen. Is everybody excited? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to do one more thing. We've been committed to take an offering for the city. Um, right now, ever since our last outreach, I think we've been able to raise 500 bucks. Our goal is $1,000 um, to raise. We've been able to just buy new hats, gloves. We're hoping this time that we may be able to purchase some sleeping bags. It was so sobering. At the end of our time there in November, our outreach in November, it was about 10, 10.30, and, um, you know, we're feeding people soup, and then they're getting ready. They're actually setting up their shelters for the night. People are setting up their cardboard boxes. They're getting their, I mean, and it's freezing out. I mean, it's cold. I mean, I can't say it was freezing, but it was cold out. And it was just sobering, just the needs of the community, and that Jesus has actually called us. As the people of God, to meet some of those needs. So we're committed to taking an offering until December 14th. We've been so blessed by our donations box. I mean, the office is full of, of just good things. <laughs> uh, but we really want to sow some money. So if you're unable to be there, maybe physically, but you have a heart that wants to sow, I want to encourage you. I'm going to pass this uh, basket around. I want to encourage you to sow some seed into the, Cam- the Cambridge area, into this outreach that we're doing December 14th. Every Every uh, dollar would go towards this outreach. Amen? Amen. Simeon. Okay. How's everybody doing? Good. I think I asked that already. Mm-hmm.
Amen. Well, I have the privilege to bring you the word again. My wife usually um, bears this, but I'm, I'm going to today. We're kind of just uh, talking over the week um, who is going to bring the word. And, you know, she has an, actually an awesome word stirring in her spirit about desperation. Um, and, I, you know, I've been able to hear bits and pieces of it. And I'm just excited uh, to get her back in this place. And I'll go back in that place. Um, but nevertheless, I felt like it was um, good to give her a little bit of a break as she does carry most of the way when it comes to preaching. So I'm going to be very brief uh, today, uh, seeing how we've already gone um, well late. But I'm encouraged. I love, I love just breaking out of systems and programs, just like, you know, not staying routine. And um, so it's good. And, and my heart ultimately at the end of the day is simply to minister to those who are here because Jesus cares. Does he not? Amen. Okay. Why don't we turn to Psalm 106, verse 23. Time to turn there in the words. I'm just going to read this verse in uh, uh, verse 23 here. So he declared, he being God, he would destroy them, he also being God. But Moses, his chosen one, stopped between the Lord and the people. He begged him to turn from his anger, him, his being also God, and not to destroy them. Today I want to talk, or this evening I want to talk about Moses, the man of prayer, Moses the intercessor. You know, oftentimes, I don't know about you, but my experience, standing under different teachings of Moses and the children of Israel, we often hear great message of a great leader, a great deliverer. We often hear messages, in my experience, of the great miracles, the great signs and wonders of which God performed through Moses. But I don't know about you, maybe I've just been living in a cave. Um, I've heard very uh, little about Moses, the intercessor, and, or Moses, the man of prayer. And a common theme that I see from the beginning to the end of uh, Moses and the children of Israel, the 40-year saga, I call it, um, I see a man who is constantly uh, standing in the place of prayer for the, inter- for the Israelites to not be destroyed. Pretty much, uh, the Israelites would do something foolish, and we probably are well familiar with the stories, they would do something foolish, God's anger would be stirred. God would be angry to the point of which he wanted to destroy them. Yes, the God we serve actually wanted to destroy the children of Israel. But through this man, as the psalmist declares in uh, Psalms 106.23, that Moses was actually that person who stood in that gap or stood in the breach before the presence of God and asked for him to relent. Let's, I'm going to read this out of another translation because I like it better. Um, that was actually the New Living Translation. And I'm going to, once my, here we go, I'm going to read it out, out of the New King James Version because I think it will give us just a better or a different kind of uh, viewpoint of what I'm talking about. Therefore he said that he, the Lord, would destroy them. Had not Moses, his chosen one, stood before him in the breach. 
to turn away his wrath, lest he destroyed them. That word breach has all the language of intercession. Matter of fact, it's, it's straight out of the place where Ezekiel 22.30 talks about the Lord looking for uh, someone who would stand in the gap. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. But here again, in the Psalms, we see that Moses played this significant role. Um, yes, a great deliverer. Yes, a great leader. But again, just referring back to what I said earlier, is that Moses was a man of prayer. And the thing that is very profound to my heart is that this prayer actually changed the Lord's mind. Think about that. It changed the intention of what the Lord wanted to do. He relented and therefore showed mercy. This should be very encouraging to us who are prayerful people. In my opinion, or my, um, yeah, my opinion, I see two sides uh, of the spectrum when it comes to prayer and intercession. I see kind of the side of where there's Moses or there's the person who is crying out for the things of God, crying out for mercy for the nation, whatever. And they actually believe that through crying out that their prayers are heard and that the Lord is going to move. And then I see the other side of the spectrum where people are like, hey, you know, whatever will be, will be. You know, uh, and, and the Lord has a plan, He has a purpose. And, and, and you know, uh, how it all works out, it, 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 it will work out. The way it goes is the way the Lord wanted it to go. Que sera, whatever will be, will be. Right? Can you, can you, do you, you have you experienced that in some relationships that you've had? I see the value in both. Honestly, I do. I do. I believe that the Lord has a plan of which um, we know not of and that the history uh, and our, our, our past and both our present and our future, uh, the Lord has His hand in the midst of all of it. But I can't escape the fact after reading uh, the, the, the accounts uh, 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 of the children of Israel from Exodus, I believe, into Leviticus. I see... Moses, the man of intercession, constantly changing the heart of God. That is, that is profound to me. That is profound to me. And as people of prayer, you know, because we are a house of prayer, that's, that's really kind of like the, the main engine of what we do here. Uh, we should be very encouraged by this. Because why? I believe God is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. That way, when I look at the accounts of Moses, when I see Moses, the man of prayer, I can see him through a God that stays the same. Therefore, I can do or, or stand as Moses stood. Literally, I could write my name in Psalms 106, 23. Daryl stood before the face of God, you know, crying out, and the Lord was merciful instead of uh, taking vengeance or... Are, are destroying his people. Amen? Amen? So Moses, the man of prayer. Uh, you can find, and these are just a couple, Exodus 17, uh, verse 4 is a specific verse, Numbers 14, uh, you can see this, this kind of role that Moses plays very clear. But I want to turn to Exodus 32. We're all familiar 
with this passage. Nevertheless, I believe it's a clear uh, image of what I'm talking about here today. We actually see Moses play this out. He does this. So, just to give some context here, uh, you know, Moses is up on the mountain, and he is um, receiving the commandments, the laws, the, the, the things of which from this day forward the children of Israel are to obey and to do. But he's on the mountain uh, right now. Starting in the first verse of 32 of Exodus, when the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back to the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. Come on, they said, make us some gods who can lead us. <laughs> lead us. Leadership, always the first thing to get attacked. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. So Aaron said, take the gold rings from the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. All the people took the gold rings uh, from their ears and brought them to Aaron. Then Aaron took the gold, melted it down, and molded it into the shape of a calf. Now again, I'm reading this simply just for context. I'm going to get into the, the points of what I'm, um, I'm talking in verse 7 through 14. Uh, o Israel, these are the gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Aaron saw how excited the people were. So he built an altar in front of the calf. Then he announced, tomorrow will be a festival to the Lord. The people got up early the next morning to sacrifice burnt offerings and peace offerings. After this, they celebrated with fasting and drinking. And they indulged themselves in pagan revelry. Here we go. Verse 7. This is how the beginning of how I want to uh, get to my point here. The Lord told Moses, Quick, go down to the mountain. Your people, whom you brought from the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. How many love that? I mean, I hear a little bit of chuckling. I, I actually chuckled when I heard that too. You know, just some background into my life. You know, the first thing, when, when I'm disciplining my son, <laughs> you know, uh, your fathers can probably attest to this. And our wives are there and whatnot. We're just trying to hold the line over something with our boy or our, our children. And, um, you know, they're not listening. They're not compliant at all, you know. And for me, I'll go right to my wife and say, your son is refusing to hear me. And it's so funny, she'll be like, your son? I mean, my son. Uh, he's our son. But just some background humor. The father, you can see the father's heart over this matter. As a father, even, you know, God trying to say, your people who you brought from the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. How quickly they have turned away from the way I commanded them to live. They have melted down gold and made a calf. And they have boiled, uh, sorry, bowed down in sacrifice to it. They are saying, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Then the Lord said, I have seen how stubborn and rebellious these people are. Now leave me alone so my fierce anger can blaze against them. And I will destroy them. Then I will make you, Moses, into a great nation. Wow, God. We definitely uh, don't have perspective in the modern day church of this God right here. Um, but let's go on. That's not my point. Verse 11. But Moses tried to pacify the Lord, his God. In other words, Moses tried to calm 
him down. O Lord, he said, why are you so angry with your own people whom you brought from the land of Egypt with such great power and such a strong hand? Why, this is so strategic, I think, in Moses' Moses's words here, such a good plan. Uh, if you're going to approach the Lord, this is a way. Listen, we've got a good way to approach the Lord here, too. Why let the Egyptians say their God rescued them with the evil intentions of slaughtering them in the mountains and wiping them from the face of the earth? Now Moses turns. He stops asking questions of why. He stops just saying, why, why, why? And he goes, now he pleads with the Lord. Turn away from your fierce anger. Change your mind about these terrible disasters you have threatened against your people. Remember, now he's breaking it into covenant. Come on. He's re- Lord, listen, the Lord is fully knowledgeable of all these things. He doesn't, he doesn't need, really, ultimately, Moses reminding him of any of this. But I love how uh, uh, Moses begins to, uh, he starts to just approach the Lord with a why. Why would you do? Why would you let? Why are you going to? And, and then he turns it around and he just begins to plead with the Lord to turn away. Turn away from your fierce anger. Change your mind. I mean, that, that boggles me. I mean, some of us can't even grasp that. But if we could grasp it, I believe there'd be a lot more people praying than we see today. Changing, what does it mean to change the mind of God? I love it. Okay. Verse 13. Remember your servants Abraham. Covenant, I said. Isaac and Jacob. You've bounded yourself with an oath to them, saying, I will make you descendants of a numerous... I'm sorry. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars of heaven. And I will give them all this land. Covenant. The things you have promised God. This is what you said you'd do. Are you just going to, you know, are you just going to wipe these people out so that, you know, first of all, the Egyptians can mock it and say, listen, look what the Lord did, you know. He just led these people out ultimately to slay them. And uh, so Moses goes through this progression of verse 14. So the Lord changed his mind about the terrible disaster he had threatened to bring on his people. Some translations say, and this will probably be very hard for some of you to take, says that the Lord has repented. What? I begin to study this, this, this and I, believe, I, I forget what translation it was, forgive me. But I began to study that out. I began to look at it. I see all these different cases of where the Bible references God taking the posture of repentance. Of actual, but ultimately, don't get too carried away. It's just simply saying God has changed his mind. You know, repentance to us is actually something that we do, you know, unto God. God's not repenting unto Himself. But just get this in your hearts. We have power through prayer to actually change the course, to change uh, the direction, to change the mind of the Lord over a matter. You know, I know many of us are distraught Maybe not many of us, but some of us are distraught about the current elections. About different things, not even out of elections, but different things that have uh, uh, happened uh, recently within our nation, with the debt and everything that seems to be kind of, just kind of 
escalating and coming to, um, you know, a, a kind of like a, a point. It's kind of coming to a boiling point where it just feels like any moment it's just going to pop. But, but what, I, listen, I'm only saying this because I talk to many of you. I talk to many Christians. And you either got two perspectives again. I'm sorry to boil it down to that. But you have uh, the one that just says, well, I'm going to go build a bunker in, the, in like 80 feet under the ground. You know, it's going to have a little exhaust coming out, you know, you know so we can breathe through a tube. And, uh, you know, I'm just going to herb out because, you know, judgment or whatever, something's going to happen. So, uh, and then you have the others that say, no, I'm going to stand my ground. It's kind of a Moses uh, thing. We must believe in these, these days of, of, of uncertainty and these days of, um, you know, things kind of uh, escalating morally in our nation, just declining and whatnot. We, where are the Moseses? Where are the people who will stand in the breach before the face of God? Mm-hmm. The psalmist said that it was this very action, Psalms 106.23, it was this very action that actually changed the heart of God. If God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, where is the praying church? Uh, listen, I know the prayer movement is is kind of, well, yeah, it's kind of, you know, getting steam. It's, it's more than getting steam. I mean, the IHOP exploding, these different areas kind of growing and whatnot. I'm not talking about them. I, I don't live in Kansas City, folks. All right? I, I, I don't live in California. I live in Boston, Massachusetts. And if, and if God is the same yesterday, today, and forever... Then, then why, in a moment's notice, would we ever take the position to just herb out, to, for us to relent, to us to come under some kind of uh, victim you know, mentality, everything's going to get darker. I understand that. Listen, there's, there's, there's Bible verses that reference this. But what do you do with Psalms 106.23? You just hit cruise and say, okay, Sarah, Sarah, whatever will be. I don't, folks. I want it to be said of me. Actually, you can write this on my gravestone, Psalms 106, 23. Because I believe that God wants to raise up a generation that has, want to raise up a people that has this type of perspective. Come on, come on. Rather than constantly def- trying to defend, you know, and just, get, keep them back, devil, stay away from me. No, we are aggressively pushing forward. Come on. Hmm. You know, yes, the dark... It's getting darker. But the, the flip side of that verse is the light will get brighter. Amen? Amen. Come on. So, you know, ultimately, I guess what I'm saying is it doesn't really matter what happens. What really matters is the position of our heart when it happens. When, when things that shake us, and I'm not just talking about I had a bad hair day. Okay, I'm not talking about that. Hopefully, all of us have much better perspective than just having an off hair day. Will, he can sometimes get a little bit you know, sensitive. But we're working on him. But what would happen if, if the people of God gained this perspective of Psalms 106.23 perspective, where we actually viewed our prayers our little pathetic gatherings that happen on Saturdays and Wednesdays and mornings as actually changing the mind of God. Come on. Come on. 
This is, uh, I, I've been gripped. I, I don't know how I came upon this verse. I knew the story of the children of Israel. Very familiar. But I, I honestly was just trapped in, in, in a mindset that, that Moses was this and that and that and that and never this. Although I know Moses prayed, but when it, this man just didn't pray, guys. The psalmist boiled it down to that this man actually spared the children of Israel from being destroyed. That just will revolutionize your thought. It will revolutionize the way you pray. You know, and, and I want to say this. Moses' resolve to pray didn't just last a month. just didn't last a couple weeks. This man labored in prayer for 40 years, folks. We have, like, if it gets hard, we're out of here. Let's start something new. Let's start something different because it's just too hard. Friend, I'm telling you, you will find yourself, if you live like that, you will find yourself at a dead-end street going nowhere, doing yeah. nothing at the end of the day. If you are continually going from thing to thing, when, when stuff gets hard and when the pressure, nobody's coming, nobody's paying their tithe, nobody's doing this, nobody's... If you constantly just boil what you're going to do and not going to do, by that kind of perspective, you will find yourself at the end of your days by yourself doing nothing. I promise you. Stamp it. God wants to raise up people who can plow in the midst of opposition. God wants to raise up people who have this Moses-type heart, this Moses-type stance in prayer, that regardless, I know the people God just built a calf. I know that they're bowing down to it. I know. It makes sense that you would wipe them out. I know that they're complaining about not having food to eat, Mo, uh, God. I, listen, uh, yeah, I get it. Two months and 15 days ago, you opened the Red Sea. I get it. But they want food today. You know, but Moses has this resolve to stand firm and to plead for mercy. To plead that God would change his mind. And I'm not boiling down this to to the judgment of God. I'm boiling this down simply to intercession. I'm boiling down th this stuff to just prayer and the stance that we take. Are we, are we just kesara, sarah, whatever we'll be? Or are we saying, no, God, mercy. There, listen, there is a reason to pray for mercy in our nation today, yeah. guys. Yeah. There is a, and it's, it has nothing to do with who's in the White House. It, it has nothing to do with who's in Congress. And who's in, it has nothing to do with that. We need, we are falling so quickly, <coughs> just declining into the pits of, uh, of, of lawlessness and, and, and immorality. And there's a need, there is a cause today for the church to rise up and not be found in Starbucks, not be found over here in this and everything and, and all these things, but to be found in the place of prayer, asking God to pour out His mercy upon the nation. Cambridge alone needs the mercy of God. Forget about our nation. Don't forget about it. Anyway, the Lord changes His mind. Moses' 40-year journey you know it just baffles me I'm, I'm gonna I'm not gonna take this much further maybe we'll start again Sunday but um again I want to give I want to give just some context here if you would uh, we're all familiar with this verse again Exodus 22 chapter 22 Ezekiel sorry my bad 
we're familiar with this verse. You know, I'm going to try to give you some brief context here. Uh, the Lord is speaking to his prophet Ezekiel. And it's not good things he's speaking to Ezekiel. Well, if you were somebody who was on the, uh, the recipient end of what the Lord's speaking is going to do, it's not a very good thing. But I want to just kind of, uh, kind of boil this down really simply as the Lord kind of pours out his decrees of what he's going to do and the judgment that he's going to pour out. At the end of this chapter, the Lord says something profound uh, to Ezekiel. It starts in verse 30 again. We're all familiar with this. But I want to do this in context of what I'm talking about. Um, And this is a parallel verse. If you study Psalms 106, 23, it will lead you to Ezekiel 22, 30-31. And it's funny, through all these decrees of judgment and the Lord dealing with His people, he, he, He boils it down with this statement at the end. I looked for someone who might rebuild the wall of righteousness, that guards the land. I searched for someone to stand in the gap. In other words, uh, back to Psalms 106, 23, if you study the word breach, it, it, it has the, the very uh, same words, standing in the gap, in the wall, so I wouldn't have destroyed the land, but I found no one. So now I will pour out my fury on them, consuming them with the fire with the fire of my anger. I will heap on their heads the full penalty penalty for all their sins. I, the sovereign Lord, have spoken. What I'm trying to say here is at the end of Ezekiel twenty two, honestly the Lord was looking for someone. And if he found someone that was actually like Moses was for the children of Israel, he was going to spare these people. He was going to relent. You know, uh, and again, I'm not talking about uh, the Lord's judgment. I'm, I'm talking about our place, our place uh, in uh, the prayer movement, if you would, you know, if that works, to try to sum up. Uh, but is the Lord today finding a people who are standing in those holes in the wall? who are actually, like Moses, pleading for mercy. Guys, if Will would come to the piano, there's, there's reason to, to, to pray today. There's reason not just to pray prayers of like, Oh Lord, will you make sure that I have the money for my new shoes? Lord, those are good. You know, there's reasons to be like Moses in taking a violent stance. I say violent because actually, if you study the word preach in the Hebrew, it's, it's, it's a violent stance, it says. The very top word in the Hebrew, a violent stance. But, guys, today, there are so many distractions, there's so many things pulling at us. You know, if prayer was a popular thing to do, this place would be filled all the time. And, um, and often we don't pray because... Uh, well, for many reasons, but I know I can only talk about the reasons I don't pray or I'm necessarily kind of pull away is, A, for the most part, sometimes I'm discouraged. Most times not seeing the fruit of your prayers can often, you know, 
can often dampen the flame of prayer. Um, but listen, it's not to be boiled down uh, like that. The Lord always moves, and He always answers the prayers of His people. The time may be not now, um, but wasn't it Luke 18? Bethany preached, I think, two weeks ago that men should always pray and never lose heart. It sounds kind of cliche, yeah? You know, because I'm is there something that maybe the Lord differently could say? But, you know, one thing I find when people don't pray is because there's a loss of heart over the issues or the matters that they're praying for. So what's very simple becomes very complex and understandable to our own hearts. The things that kind of keep us away. And I'm not just talking about coming to Jehovah. I'm talking about your stance before the Lord when you're not here. You're in your room. should always pray and never lose heart. Yeah. And wasn't it the persistent widow? You know, she was persistent persistent because the king uh, at the time was unruly. He wasn't a just man. And he was probably putting her off for quite some time. And, um, uh, you know, I believe that scripture pointed to somebody who was aggressively pursuing, no matter what, being put off. The Lord is a just man, and he, I believe, for the five years that I've been praying for Cambridge, maybe even more, the five years or six years that we've been here, I believe, just because um, what we see today may not be like the uh, fulfillment of the things that we pray, doesn't deter me from pushing harder tomorrow. I believe that the Lord will bring forth his glory in the city of Cambridge. It doesn't matter what it looks like on the outside. It doesn't matter that only five people attended prayer Saturday. No pun intended. Um, but the Lord is faithful.